final case of civil procedure. We've had two semesters. This is the final case. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of sad. It was one of my favorite classes. I mean, I like all of my law school classes, but uh, this one was definitely up there as one of the things that I really enjoyed. Okay, so what are we talking about in this final episode of civil procedure? We're talking about former adjudication. What's that mean? It means a case was previously resolved, and now we're talking about what happens after the case has been resolved if additional litigation wants to occur. And there's two main principles that we're going to be talking about. There's claim preclusion and issue preclusion. Both of these are related, but they are different. So I'll start with claim, and then we'll move on to issue, talk about their differences, and then kind of just uh, sum up this and this topic and how it all functions and works together uh, after litigation has previously occurred. So claim preclusion, it's also known as, forgive my Latin, res judicata. Definitely forgive my Latin. Uh, ultimately, claim preclusion prohibits parties from relitigating claims that were fully litigated previously. And there's three main elements that the person who is claiming preclusion needs to actually show. And typically, this is going to be the defendant showing that this claim should be precluded. First, the claim must be the same as the claim that was previously litigated. Second, there is a final judgment on that original litigation based on the merits. And third, that the parties involved are the same. It's the same plaintiff and it's the same defendant. So in other words, failure to bring related claims is going to waive the opportunity to bring claims later. And that is pretty much the big takeaway of claim preclusion. If you don't bring it up now, you can't do it later. A couple other things I want to note before getting into our case is that claim preclusion applies to all jurisdictions, state and federal. If your claim is previously litigated in a federal court, you can't bring it in a state court. And that applies if it's in one state, you can't take it to a different state. And ultimately, it is the burden of the defendant to show that claim preclusion applies. And that's because this is an affirmative defense. Uh, the defendant is saying, I don't want you to argue this against me a second time. You already did it once. We don't need to do it again. You lost before or you won before. We don't need to do this a second time for a second claim that is the same claim. But it is important to know if the defendant fails to bring up claim preclusion, preclusion it can still be argued because it is an affirmative defense. As far as procedurally goes, that means that the defendant needs to bring this up in their answer when that second litigation is about to start. So what's our case associated with claim preclusion? It's River Parking versus City of Highland Park. I won't get into the details, but the whole point of this was to focus on this first element, which is ultimately asking, what's the standard that we're going to use to show that this is the same claim? The big takeaway is if the litigation, the first and the second litigation, is related to the same fact pattern, then these two cases are going to be the same cause of action. The actual quote from the case that I want to read is says, the assertion of different kinds of theories of relief, 
still constitutes a single cause of action if a single group of operative facts give rise to the assertion of relief. What's that mean? If the fact pattern is the exact same, and for instance, if it's the exact same car accident for one thing as for the second thing, then this is going to be the same claim or same cause of action. A good example is a car accident case. Uh, say a uh, plaintiff was in a car accident and they sued the defendant and they sued them for property damage. You demolished my car based off of your negligence. And the plaintiff wins this case. Well, the plaintiff gets out and then they want to sue them again saying, I actually broke my arm during the same car accident. I want to sue you for personal injury. Now, notice that these are two different theories of relief slash cause of action, but ultimately it comes back to the same operative fact pattern, that same car accident saying the plaintiff should have argued both the personal injury and the loss of property in that first set of litigation. And because they didn't argue both in that first, arguing the second case is not a viable option. So that's claim preclusion. Now let's talk about issue preclusion. Issue preclusion is the idea that parties are not allowed to relitigate, obviously, issues. Think of issues as a claim in a lawsuit rather than the whole lawsuit itself. And this ultimately is going to be the main difference between claim and issue preclusion is the focus of issue is much narrower. So instead of focusing on the claim as the whole, we're simply going to focus on an issue and whether this was an issue of law or fact. So let's go back to this car accident situation. Uh, say there were two people in the plaintiff's car. Uh, plaintiff 1 and Plaintiff 2 both suffered bodily injury. And they're both saying the defendant is negligent in causing this bodily injury. Plaintiff 1's case uh, goes first, and the jury finds that the defendant was negligent related to that bodily action. Now, the second party in the situation can say, look, the jury already found negligence, the issue, for this defendant, and ultimately, we can tie that back in to say he was also negligent against me. So it is important to realize for claim preclusion, it's an element that the parties need to be the same in litigation one and litigation two. This is not the case when it comes to issue preclusion. You can have a different party argue preclusion against the same defendant. And you can do this two different ways. There's a defensive way to use issue preclusion, and there's an offensive way to use issue preclusion. The defensive use of the doctrine occurs when the defendant is trying to fend off any liability that may be occurring uh, based off the same issue. So a good example of this is the plaintiff. Uh, the plaintiff lost in a previous case against uh, one thing. We actually have a case. I'm going to uh, briefly summarize it. It's Blonder Tongue Laboratories versus the Uni University of Illinois. 
previously the University of Illinois had lost to a different company. I think it was like Abbott Labs, something like that. They had lost to them, saying that a patent is not valid. And then they went on to sue Blonder Tongue Laboratories, saying, you also infringed on this patent. And the court, uh, Bl- Blonder Tongue is saying, no, your issue is precluded because you already lost on this issue. And so you're not allowed to try to make it work for a different party. And so issue preclusion, once again, can be used defensively to say, no, you can't argue this against me. But it, it can also be used offensively. Uh, offensive, offensive liability is going to happen when a plaintiff seeks to use a previous finding against a defendant for their advantage by arguing that that uh, issue is previously decided in their favor. And a good example of this is Parkland Hoist uh, Rico versus Shore. What happened in this situation is that Parkland was uh, they they were sued by the SEC uh, related to a statement that they made. They had said that they were in good financial standing. Turns out they weren't in good financial standing. So they were sued by the SEC regarding the statement. Shore was the stockholder of Park Lane, who also relied on this statement and ultimately also sued Park Lane in a separate piece of litigation. The SEC did win, and they got a statement from the jury that said Park Lane's comments were misrepresentation. So Shore wants that to apply to their case too. They're arguing, we don't want to argue that again because it's already been found against them. This is an issue that doesn't need to be relitigated. And so the question before the court is, is this allowed? Can you use this as an offensive tool as a plaintiff? Ultimately, what the court says is that this preclusion should be allowed, but it could also be limited according to the discretion of the trial judge. And the trial judge is going to look for anything uh, to see if the plaintiff could have joined with the earlier litigation. And this avoids a a wait-and-see kind of incentive where the plaintiff would be waiting to see what ended up happening with the previous litigation. Uh, So if the plaintiff can easily join, then it shouldn't be precluded. But if the plaintiff couldn't easily join, and if there's no inherent unfairness to the defendant, and if there's no other good reason for preclu- uh, to avoid preclusion, then preclusion should be granted. So that's the big takeaway. It can be used both offensively and defensively. We have one last case regarding this. And this is ultimately just to show that issue preclusion only applies when you have previous rulings that have the same outcome. Our case here is State Farm Fire and Casualty Co. versus Century Home Components. Ultimately, let's just work through a hypothetical. Uh, let's say that several plaintiffs occur from the same event and they each sue separately. If plaintiff one wins against the defendant uh, related to instant negligence, plaintiff one finds that there is negligence. Plaintiff 2 finds that there is no negligence. Plaintiff 3 is then asking for preclusion based off of the finding in Plaintiff 1's case because they want to win based off of Plaintiff 1's finding. 
the issue here is that plaintiff three can't have preclusion because there was an inconsistent ruling between plaintiff one and two. Plaintiff one won and plaintiff two lost. And because of that, you have that inconsistency in the outcome. Preclusion does not apply. What should have happened in this case is that plaintiff two should have asked for preclusion based off of plaintiff one's findings. But because they didn't, plaintiff three is no longer able to because plaintiff two lost. So that's kind of how that situation works. Uh, let's go ahead and just sum up former adjudication. That's when you have litigation one and litigation two, potentially litigation three, I don't know, and what you can and can't litigate in litigation two. This is going to be underneath the concepts of claim preclusion and talked about the elements for plain, claim sorry, claim preclusion. That's going to be same claim, final judgment, and parties are going to be the same. Then when it comes to issue preclusion, uh, this is going to be both offensive or defensive, and it's related to the relitigation of issues. So ultimately, it's going to be different parties and trying to get the same outcome for their case. And then we finally talked about uh, inconsistent rulings pretty much does not allow preclusion to apply for issues. That's our takeaway. That's the last bit of civil procedure. It's been a blast. I hope you have all had a blast. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.